Today we have Susie Wrighton. Susie is a senior trade officer for the cyber fintech and security sector. Susie, hi, how are you? Hi, Gilad, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks so um, much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me, actually. That's really, really great. I'm actually pretty excited and uh, also my first podcast. So uh, very excited to start with you. That's awesome. Great to have you. Susie, I think that you have a fascinating role. Could you like introduce in a couple of sentences what are you doing in your current role? As you rightly said, I'm a, a, a trade officer. I'm actually working in the Israeli embassy in, uh, in London. And uh, within, within that role, uh, I, uh, within the embassy, I actually work in the commercial office, in the commercial department. And specifically, I focus on uh, three main sectors, as you well said. So uh, cybersecurity, fintech and homeland security are the main areas uh, of focus where I basically try to help Israeli companies uh, broaden their business uh, in the UK. And for that purpose, basically, I help them find either business partners or investors. And I also help the other side, meaning like companies in the UK to actually understand what is the best uh, technologies or who are the best people to talk to in Israel, depending on what they're looking for in these sectors. So it's a pretty varied, you know, activity on a daily basis. So how do you actually determine who's the best? Because whenever I talk to an Israeli company, they're always the best. <laughs> they always say they're <laughs> the best, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, a, it's a fine art, I would say. But I guess, uh, well, definitely one of the benefits of being in uh, part of the, in this position is that we also work. We have a wide network, I would say, in Israel, and we work together with the Israel Expert Institute, which actually is our foot on the ground uh, that has uh, contacts with all the companies in Israel, whether small or big. And, you know, by working, uh, you know, with them and uh, also with VCs in Israel and uh, having, a, I would say, a very close network, I think, I think it's really helpful to understand exactly how the different companies positions themselves, who's good at what, and uh, who's, you know, rising and who's uh, uh, consolidating their presence in, uh, in specific countries or in specific, um, you know, fields. So I, I think like having a really, you know, a varied network in Israel, but also in other countries helps to kind of do some cross-checking and uh, understanding exactly how, you know, things are going, I would say. It sounds like a fascinating uh, role to me, exactly, actually, uh, because I like meeting new people and I love uh, getting to know new technologies. Would you say that you get to know the newest and most innovative technologies on a daily basis due to your uh, work? Well, I, I'd say that, I mean, probably, well, they're compared maybe to the rest of the industry or like the larger corporates. I think that at least for what concerns uh, the Israeli ecosystem, I've, I've come across some of the you know, companies when they were in their early state, very early stage. So in some occasions, I would say that, yes, I've seen things that you humans 
could only imagine. No, I'm <laughs> joking. But I, yeah, I've definitely come across like technology developments that only uh, maybe a couple a year or a couple of years later have become, I would say, uh, very relevant or dominant, unless, like in you know recent you know cases, uh, the 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 technology curve has actually been uh, uh, quite fast. The uptake, I would say, has been quite fast. So maybe uh, some specific elements within cloud technology and cloud security have been uh, embraced much more fast than they might have been. You know, uh, hadn't. COVID and, uh, and this kind of situation uh, happened. But, you know, other than that, yes, definitely. I've seen some interesting things happening before they, 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 they uh, took more, uh, more pace, I would say. And that's probably the, and the reason probably is that, at least for Israeli companies, this is the, the service that we give is a, is a public service. So normally the companies that approach us are companies in their early stage, seed or uh, a route, or even pre-seed, and some of them, of course, have been backed by by VCs, which actually helps us also understand whether or someone else already knows them, uh, whether they've already been, let's say, support put supported by some angel investors or Israeli or foreign investors or not. But sometimes it's also like uh, universities and. Uh, solo entrepreneurs that are actually approaching us. So uh, uh, there's a varied set of uh, individuals, I uh, would say, that, uh, that comes forward sometimes. That's exciting. The first question to, that came to my mind when I heard your, your answer is, did you remember like a situation where you met a company or their representatives for the first time and like a couple mm-hmm. of months or years later, you could like remind them that your first uh, meeting with them after you saw their uh, headlines, they're, they're making headlines or huge uh, founding uh, cycle and so on? Yes, I, I think I can remember a couple. And well, one of them was um, actually had, I would say a good backstory back in a way, because uh, part of their leadership team came from a large corporate uh, uh, now based in Israel. So they were part of their, you know, cloud team. And, you know, they, let's say, left the company and created, they were in stealth mode for like a year or so. And uh, just out of stealth mode, they approached, uh, they approached me. And uh, like a few, I would say, six months later, they had already managed to, to get like a huge A round, like a seed round uh, with, you know, very significant investor from abroad. And again, you know, it's a recurring thing, but that you know, that happened actually within the cloud security um, area. And another time, actually, this was more of a, a smaller, a smaller company, uh, not necessarily with it within the same, with the same sort of superstar uh, background, but they had a really good idea uh, more in the, in the space of uh, e-commerce and uh, the new experience of retail that really, I would say, would have impacted the way uh, retail works in uh, the, I would, the post-COVID era. And that picked up very quickly, even though they were quite, they were quite small at the time. So they made headlines uh, very soon, even at CES or things like that. So yeah, definitely. I've seen a few that uh, you can recognize them, you know, whether they have uh, already VCs behind them or not, but when the idea is right 
and it covers uh, a, a natural market need. You, you could foresee that. that. Yeah, you could smell it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you're uniquely positioned, having having seen so many companies in that, you know, at the same stage, um, looking for traction abroad, looking for funding. That you must now have a pretty sharp, pretty sharp mind for for actually recognizing winners. So, um, do you also have understand? Israeli companies trying to go to market in the UK, and I understand that's that's your main agenda, your main mission. But do you also have foreign investment funds or even companies, potential end users, approaching you and asking you for advice uh, with the simple premise that they hear all these great mm-hmm. things about technology in Israel and, and startups, and especially in the security space, and and they they want to have your opinion? Uh, yes, I, I think that uh, that tends to happen relatively often, I would say. I mean, my focus, of course, uh, um, is the UK. And within the UK, you're well aware that the investment community is quite active. There's a lot of capital, there's a lot of interest and um, preparedness to invest in such uh, technologies. And certainly there are uh, more and more investors that are interested in uh, you know, focusing quite a, a certain amount of their effort and attention on Israel as a source of uh, new technologies and trends. So definitely, we are approached by investors and corporates to to take a look, dive deep into what is happening in the ecosystem, and uh, and then evaluate, of course, like what might be the the most uh, uh, relevant thing for them in that specific time. I was actually surprised that. Well, of course, in uh, in some sectors such as uh, the financial sector, people are quite aware of uh, the um, technology advancement that Israel propo- uh, sort of uh, uh, has. In other sectors, of course, this is some this is a sort of an awareness that is growing. But yeah, uh, like in uh, in retail and construction tech, for instance, there's uh, which are now more and more open to uh, to innovation and digitalization, I'd say there's uh, a lot of interest in getting involved and understand more about what's happening. Actually, I would say that cybersecurity is probably the sector which has the most, you know, let's say fame or uh, international awareness of uh, cybersecurity as a lead- leading sector in Israel. So that's a lesser of a novelty, but certainly whenever I would say that the Israeli brand when it comes to cybersecurity has a lot of positive attributes and stirs a lot of attraction and attention from uh, from uh, um, foreign investors. Obviously, you're you're trying to promote, I mean, you not trying, you're promoting uh, Israeli companies, Israeli business. And uh, given what you see on the market and given your understanding of what it takes for a country to build that capability and become an incubator, you might say, mm-hmm. of new technologies, new talent, and given its size, generate a, a huge amount of, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, disruptive innovation and a huge amount of, of the workforce, even in, in cybersecurity or in technology. Oh. I mean, you, you major companies all around the world are, are looking at Israel to hire. And um, so given your understanding of that, who, which, which other country outside of the obvious, you know, US, China, which other country do you see as being the most likely to compete uh, on that front and build that capability themselves and become an incubator? Uh, which one is most likely to replicate the success of Israel? Have you seen attempts around the world? 
Well, I, I th- the point is that each, I would say, ecosystem has its own kind of uh, characteristic, its peculiar- peculiarities. I mean, I would say that what happened in Israel was a, a, was a conjunctions of lots of uh, concurring elements uh, that contributed. And I would say that there isn't going to be a similar replica in other in other ecosystems just because they 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 are to, they will always be different but surely there are attempts to create the point being very active very florid ecosystems where there's a freedom to develop new ideas where there's freedom to become entrepreneurial where risk is uh, is embraced rather than being a negative element of failure that can potentially sort of um, drag you down but as a, as a positive element of growth and uh, success. And that's probably a shift in mind that he's taking place, of course, in countries such as the US, as you said, is more of a, of a thing. The UK certainly has and is pushing a lot to create those centers of uh, that nurture entrepreneurship, I would say, comfortable enough environment. Other ecosystems that probably have in different ways been uh, been trying to uh, to create this sort of environment so it could be either singapore uh, that that has its own uh, standing and uh, of course like um, um, i would say in europe there there are other attempts to create such you know uh, such ecosystems probably a bit more I, I don't know that that's just my my opinion i would say that there's still Maybe oh, Germany and France are trying to create these, making efforts to create more uh, startup-prone ecosystems, although they're still like I would say a few years behind um, yep. the 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 the, the, uh, the mindset and the setup that Israel and the United States have. I would say. So yeah, I mean, I think these are kind of maybe uh, environments that are uh, are making like good steps towards uh, towards this uh, this new environment. How do we hack this recipe? How do we make this instant sort of creation of uh, ideas develop into entrepreneurial uh, companies? And I think that drills down to, first of all, investing a lot in R&D as a government, as a nation, and uh, giving the possibility to actually open a company and start entrepreneurial activities fairly easily and sort of... uh, taking away the the hurdles and the risks and the heavy taxation that sometimes quite a few regulatory environment have till, till this day because they don't necessarily understand how the startup mindset works and how you know the, there's different perception of risk and different perception of growth that these uh, these the startups need to to be able to develop uh, and the same is true for investment so the moment these three elements are, um, I would say, set free or uh, free from certain hurdles, that I guess there's more more room for uh, uh, for uh, for growth and to create sort of a cooperation between the government, the uh, the academia, the ecosystem, the industry, which is ultimately what creates the 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 opportunity for such uh, ideas to grow into uh, into a business. I would say. Thank you. That was a very interesting answer. <laughs> a bit long, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It was. Uh, it's 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 not an easy question, uh, and I, I thought your answer was uh, your answer was great. Obviously, there's there's 
there is a bit of culture, uh, a bit of fiscality, a bit of uh, um, language, technical, uh, academia. It's a very, very, it takes a lot of ingredients. And, and I think that's what makes uh, Israel so unique in that regard. Um, and I, I do feel like a lot of countries are trying to go at it um, strictly from a top-down approach, not worrying so much about how do you create that fertile ground and how do you make sure rather than you know certain elements within your your system you know i just mentioned academia and and, and uh, entrepreneurship making sure those feed off of each other mm-hmm. rather than than um um become obstacles to each other or compete um and what i've seen done especially you know i won't go after friends but i feel like being french i can i'm allowed to <laughs> say a few bad things but uh, it, it's a lot of people are making those decisions without any experience, either starting a business, running a business, even less so uh, a technology business, which mm-hmm. very different, very different KPIs, very different uh, cycles of growth and, 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 and needs to mature and, and uh, needs for liquidity as well. And they're just, um, you know, writing a decree one day that, uh, yeah, we're, we're a startup nation now and uh, uh, go out there and innovate. And they probably invest in the wrong places as well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and don't see results as rapidly as they want and they get frustrated. So it's uh, very, very insightful to hear your, your take on it. I have a question. I think that you mentioned lots of interesting things for an uh, you know, early stage uh, company or a startup. Still, I'm trying to think, you know, I've never been, not yet at least, an entrepreneur. It's on my bucket list. But anyway, I think that it's very hard to, to stand out and uh, you know, try to make people see you and observe you when you're on early stage, and to actually fulfill all the you know the pillars that you've mentioned, so people can really uh, observe you and invest in you, and also even be willing to to speak with you. And specifically in cybersecurity, you see so many companies that pretty much do the same thing, and uh, you know we're all from the same. Uh, from the same uh, kind of background and uh, daily uh, daily work in terms of the the, the kind of vendors and uh, companies that we see out there, and I'm sure that you are seeing lots of people that pretty much talk about the same ideas and the same um, you know same aspirations in terms of what they they want to do the uh, their aims and so on. And uh, specifically in cybersecurity, I do know that, you know, there are so many uh, vendors that practically do the same thing in different ways, different approaches, maybe technologies. And still, I assume that from your perspective, you got to give them the the, the correct advice so they are able to stand out and um, let, for example, the the British community or and the business environment in uh, in, uh, in in Britain to to observe them right and uh, be a bit mm-hmm. more curious about them. So first of all, how how effective is what I'm saying in in the real world? Is it is it true what I'm saying here? And uh, secondly, how to stand out? Mm-hmm. Well, it, certainly, uh, let's say that we are approached by, uh, of course, many, let's say, small companies or large companies, likewise, that, you know, come forward and say, of course, we are, we're the best, we know where the, uh, where the money is, where the, where the opportunity lies. And of course, to some extent, I would say that partly that's also one of the reasons why 
some companies do achieve a lot in a very short amount of time. So uh, on the one side, it's good to be bold enough to aim high. And it's something that probably kind of also sets Israelis aside in, a, in one way, just to dare or uh, use the chutzpah, as they would say. But on the other hand, surely like that needs to be backed by a fair understanding of the market where you want to position yourself. Because for sure, I mean, all the companies have, I would say, their core and understanding of the market or at least uh, of the technology need. But at least when you want to position yourself yourself in a, in a foreign market, oftentimes what we find in young companies is that, you know, they approach the UK basically because it's just like two hours you know, behind in terms of time zone, and it just takes uh, four hours to fly there, and they speak English. And But apart from this easy proximity element, which sometimes makes the UK seen as like, the US is too competitive, let's go first to the UK, see how it goes, and then we can move there. Which I don't discourage as a thought, but certainly if you do want to tackle the UK, which, how, which in itself has quite a few... Um, players and awareness when it comes to cybersecurity, at least. If you want to succeed, definitely you need to know who you're up against, who are the players in your specific niche, and what is your added value, which I think it's what's really um, adds value in any conversation because the people you're trying to approach have been approached by others before you and uh, maybe from your same uh, you know, country, maybe in your same niche, and what you do want to deliver is actually what are you giving me that nobody else has given me before. So, and that needs to happen and be visible in the shortest amount of time. At least, you know, once you come across so many, that's the thing that I need to understand, uh, you know, uh, very clearly in the very, at the very beginning of the conversation. And then what needs to be complemented to become, to, to make it clear is where we can come and help and say, okay, you might want to connect with this uh, specific, you know, um, innovation hub or this investors or this uh, events or uh, this specific corporates who we know are looking for uh, technologies in this field. But your messaging definitely needs to be clear, and the the position in the market needs to be pretty clear as well. And that's also why having a person on the ground sometimes helps. Because uh, if you don't do that re research at first, then someone else that, that's on the ground can help you and can also help you kind of bridge the cultural gap, which still exists between US, Israel, the UK. So as much as it, it feels very close as a mentality, there's a way of uh, addressing people and uh, positioning yourself that definitely needs to be taken into account. So practically, you're saying that I might be a very good vendor or a potential vendor and have a great idea and even great uh, research, but I can still fail if I fail to address the message in, in the correct way? Yeah, the message and um, also the, the local markets that you're trying to approach. Unless like it's a really revolutionary technology that nobody else has seen. <laughs> so I think that, Susie, I think that we should define together what chutzpah is to the non-Hebrew language speakers, uh, listeners that I think we do have. 
because I'm not sure whether Simon and other uh, listeners are, are aware, but I think that chutzpah is not just being rude, right? It's much more than that. And it is definitely interesting when it comes to innovation and entrepreneurship, right? I think it's more like the ability to dare, which can exactly. be applied to, you know, in many respects, whether it's like trying something new, uh, you know, uh, coding something completely different, thinking out of the box, or making that slightly annoying question that nobody asks, but actually needs to be asked. And yeah, so I would say that's, that's, uh, that's how I would translate it. And even I will maybe add something um, to that, from my perspective, at least, you know, Simon and I may make lots of fun about, you know, Israeli vendors saying, yeah, we can do that. Of course we can do that. Uh, we're the best in the market. We might cut some of it. But anyway, I think that the fact that many Israeli vendors say we can do that, mm-hmm. even though in some cases they're not yet sure how exactly will they do that, but they're mm-hmm. still doing it at the end of the day. So that's a bit of chutzpah as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally, uh, you know, um, but that's something that it's not just you and me saying it, but probably also quite a few, uh, quite a few people sort of agreed on that, that uh, Israeli way. It's not just, it's not maybe like the ideal planning, meaning like they're not focusing on planning, but just saying, okay, there's this idea. We're going to go out there and do it. How we do it. It's something that we'll, you know, understand. We'll figure it out. While doing it you know, while doing it in the process, but that doesn't stop you from actually, you know, asserting that this is within your reach. So, um, so yeah. I think that this is one of the first time when, when I think about it, you know, not from uh, kind of criticizing point of view, but from a more uh, optimistic point of view. And I think that's pretty fascinating and interesting to think about it as one of the key uh, methodologies or, or I don't know, characteristics which which makes the the, the Israeli cybersecurity specifically and many other high tech um, industries as well very successful. The courage not to say no to to anything mm-hmm. and just um, yeah. uh, figure it out by just dealing with a problem or a challenge and addressing it and finding a, a solution for the first time and you know win the deal over other competitors. Yeah, also because, I mean, one of the, let's say, business, uh, you can position, you can use different strategy to position yourself in the business. And one of uh, sort of um, attitudes that you can take is to be the one that gets there first, which kind of helps you position yourself in a new niche, get more uh, potential uh, clients. And, uh, you know, once you're there, you know, uh, everyone else comes afterwards and uh, they will have to face you as the competitor. So uh, being there first is something that definitely can be enabled by the sort of sort of attitude. And that's probably why some of the uh, companies from Israel have succeeded in that before others. Um, and then, of course, like, um, you know, the technologies and the nitty gritty of the coding, you know, might be fine tuned. And, you know, maybe after some vetting process and working together with large corporates, that the chutzpah in its sense uh, could be developed also as a, as a way to be the first uh, to enter a specific niche. And that basically helps quite a f- 
probably helped a few companies uh, from Israel, you know, being the first in the in the market in a certain space, and therefore has you know helps them positioning themselves as innovative. And then of course, what has to be fine-tuned, uh, whether it's the coding, you know, the structure, the uh, team preparedness. That's something that you know can be done later while working with investors, while working with uh, you know corporates and things like that. But in the meantime, you've uh, actually managed to uh, to take the spots for yourself before others do, and uh, that can also be another way of understanding the chutzpah. <laughs> Don't want to take too much of, of your time, uh, Susie. But we, uh, uh, you know, we're very curious about what you're uh, currently doing, as uh, aside from your job. To well, I don't really know the agenda. That's probably what the, the question should be. But um, we always hear about various initiatives, various events around the theme of women in cyber. Beyond the hashtag, I personally don't know much. <laughs> so it would be very interesting to hear, you know, from your viewpoint, you know, what what's a realistic and what's a a, a good agenda for such an organization, and and what are you actually doing, and why it's so important to you. In a sense, one of the things that I'm trying to do on the side, you know, it's to, as you mentioned, like uh, trying to facilitate facilitate the. I would say the role of women in certain areas of uh, technologies or uh, of the business. And uh, of course, me uh, working specifically in a couple of, uh, of sectors being cybersecurity and fintech, you can easily understand that oftentimes you find yourself being one of the only uh, ladies in the, in, in the room, uh, which let's say has both pros and cons to be fair, because on the one side, you certainly may not be among fellow ladies. But on the other hand, you're also one of the first to enter those rooms or to have those conversations or to initiate that. And that kind of gives you also the freedom to set your own tone, to set your um, the way you want to frame a conversation. And this is also, I would say, a, a, a privilege and, uh, and also a responsibility in a way. So uh, talking about cybersecurity, being in London and working for uh, the Israeli embassy is a a prime location to start some types of conversation. And uh, so that's why, you know, um, I've encountered certain, some of these experiences and uh, thought that, um, you know, joining a a rising community could actually be helpful to uh, connect the dots and uh, create more of a, uh, more opportunities, let's say, to to have an equal conversation uh, within this field. So uh, there's, at the moment I'm working with, I'm working, I would say I joined this, uh, this, um, this community, which is called Leading Cyber Ladies, um, who actually was, uh, was initiated in Israel and uh, had his first uh, couple, uh, well, uh, his first few sessions between Israel and, and the US. But just today, they started their first uh, ever um, uh, event uh, in the UK. And uh, so far, the two elements that, let's say, stood out as um, needs and probably elements of the agenda are the need for to create sort of an education um, conversation or a plan around education and another one on, uh, on mentoring. And these two, these are like two elements that have been established have made as being part of, uh, you know, the activities that we'll try to stimulate and to build together. Because on the one hand, there's a need to kind of create, uh, I would say, 
put forward some role models or some examples of uh, uh, professionals that are out there doing really great job, but still not very much known. And also giving more of an understanding to uh, younger uh, generations that are approaching STEM, uh, uh, the STEM area and uh, technology uh, and a new profession to understand what could be their different routes and different uh, careers within cybersecurity. So not everybody needs to be technical, not um, there's different streets that you can go through depending on your skills and the abilities that you can develop during your career, where you can go, who you can talk to, what can you become. So this kind of, I would say, landscape, it's not very clear yet. And uh, who to talk to is also unclear somehow. And so probably the the aim and and the outcome of this initial meeting was to uh, create initial connection and understanding that we need to somehow create a positive environment to help people grow both as they enter into the, the job market and into cybersecurity, as well as while they are progressing into, into such you know, sector. Because community, in a way, is a big chunk of, uh, is a big element when it comes to career progression, growth and development. And um, uh, the people you have around, the people you can talk to are those that will ultimately influence you and the way you grow and the way you face both the challenges and the opportunities that comes uh, forward. So being able to share this with other women definitely is helpful to, you know, personal and career progression in this field. And that's probably one of the elements that we certainly want to make sure um, is easier from now on. That's 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 fascinating. So if I understand correctly, you're on one hand, it's sort of a think tank to also Mm -hmm. figure out, you know, what are the levers that could improve the situation. It's also uh, trying to impact policy down the line and a support system to help people who are currently in this career or maybe encourage others who may shy Mm -hmm. away from from this field. I see that I think your background is in political science. So did you feel prior to entering this industry that it was biased towards women or did that even came into when you first looked at this opportunity was that something in the back of your mind like I'm most likely going to be the only woman in the room at all times or or you just focused on on the opportunity and and well um affect your judgment to be fair I came into this position in a very I would say in a in an unconventional way or sort of. Uh, I'm certain I'm not technical. Uh, so um, uh, in my previous position, I was a project manager for uh, digital comms, and uh, I, I was working as a project and account manager with foreign corporate, um, you know, to, um, facing foreign corporates, and you know, uh, from one role to another, I just uh, entered this role. And uh, to be fair, I had no prior knowledge about fintech or cybersecurity. So let's say I, I had some knowledge about what were the uh, core you know, skills or uh, um, uh, technolo- technology fields in which Israel was strong, but certainly I didn't imagine cybersecurity or fintech being like the, I would say, my, my favorite sectors to take. This happened, I would say, by pure chance, but by pure chance, it happened that those two sectors were both very crucial for the London market, for the UK market, as well as a crucial added value that Israel was able to bring 
to this market. So I was lucky enough to find myself, I would say, in the middle of the storm. But that also required a lot of like studying and trying to understand and getting to the subject and speaking to the companies, speaking to like, you know, my, uh, you know, potential contacts. So that definitely uh, needed a lot of learning on, on one hand. And, you know, then only then I found myself like noticing that, hey, actually, I'm ha- most events I'm entering, it's like men, most events or like meetings I'm entering, like probably I'm one of the youngest people in the room. Uh, so there's two elements of, um, I would say, difference that I noticed. And I wasn't really aware of that before doing so. I had to sort of build a persona, I would say, whenever I was uh, entering those meetings or uh, being at those events. And, you know, with that, I would say I noticed what was missing and what I needed to improve. And and it takes maybe a bit to understand that this is actually an opportunity. And that's when actually you own it much more and start, I would say, enjoying it. Because, as you say, you can have the chutzpah to be the first and to say the way you want. And uh, everybody else kind of can follow and add up on top of it and just make it better. She's teaching, uh, you know, cybersecurity. And wait a second, I'll tell you exactly what. I mean, I don't remember anymore. But uh, within the um, uh, within the context of the cyber leading cyber ladies, and she said, I have probably a hundred and twenty hundred students a year, and only ten percent are girls. And oftentimes, even though they're perfectly capable and uh, very very uh, prepared. They're very, they're very much shying away from uh, taking, from exposing themselves and kind of uh, taking a stand or uh, getting out there somehow and uh, saying what they want or uh, what they think. So on the one hand, you might restrain yourself from saying something unless it's really valuable as the, or and at the same time, you want to make sure that you say something clever or like valuable sometimes. And, you know, that's just uh, what she said. It's just like they behave differently. People, you know, girls tend to um, want to be very proficient before they say something and they do want to be proficient to be in their role. So I guess, you know, that's maybe a characteristic, but, uh, you know, uh, that's something I found out myself. I really hope that uh, next uh for the next generations, it will be much easier. And I also think that uh, we men also have to learn how to uh, make everyone feel more comfortable in the room and be more aware of the fact that, you know, there are females that uh, feel this way when uh, they are pretty much alone in the room in terms of uh, gender uh, to make them feel uh, more comfortable in a way that will let them really, um, you know, focus on on the thing that you know, on their professionalism, and um, yeah, because because I do think that uh, from you know historical point of view, cultural point of views, and, and so on, uh, we also have lots of uh, responsibility to to that, and uh, we should be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I mean, hopefully. You know that the, the industry and the market itself will will develop, and um, uh, if there is, I would say, a, a, a more attention or a push to to help you know girls get into those uh, those career and those areas of studies, probably 
in a few years time, it won't be so much of a surprise to have few women's in, uh, let's say, in the room or in certain positions. And at that time, probably there might be less pressure or perceived pressure, which, of course, like I'm not saying is a is a general, uh, you know, unifying characteristic. So I'm not uh, I don't expect this to be like a, an overruling uh, characteristic, but still probably once this disparity is uh, uh, is becomes milder probably this perception will be much much lighter so yeah absolutely um, let's work towards that <laughs> absolutely as we don't want to waste too much of your time susie and we know that you're busy i do have one last question for today uh you give lots of advice on a daily basis to companies what would be you know, your key advice or the most common one that you can think of and maybe give us a brief on that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> if that's um, too heavy, that's we can, we can skip that <laughs> and close the session. <laughs> I'll try to, to, uh, you know, to solve the, to solve the challenge. Uh, but you can cut <laughs> me out if that's enough. <laughs> we still have the, the gift of post-production. Um, I would say that one common advice I would give more that, you know, you have the uh, companies may have the dare to, you know, try and uh, reach out to new markets, to new clients. I guess what makes the difference is just um, to certainly, I would say, learn as much as you can about who you're trying to approach whether it's a market, whether it's a, it's a customer, uh, because uh, many times uh, what I find, uh, you know, by speaking with like senior executives or, you know, CISOs or things like that, or let's say people in similar roles is that, you know, um, companies may be caught in the heat of, uh, you know, trying to, to push themselves into uh, people's agenda and uh, uh, spark a conversation. But really what opens up a conversation is, uh, once you can tap into the needs of that specific person or a company, uh, and uh, and that's probably, or at least that's that's the way to start a conversation in the UK, where you don't necessarily need to to do like a hard sell, but you're actually talking about the subject that's really dear to a specific um, sector or niche or a company, and that's where you will actually be able to spark an honest conversation that it's not on the nitty gritty of, uh, you know, how we can solve your issues and, uh, you know, um, uh, get free you from your, uh, you know, headaches, but, but actually talk about uh, what works and what doesn't work. And then eventually come to the fact that you may have something that complements or uh, helps solve this challenge. But I would say that if you want to be really effective in, in this thing, you have to, I would say, do your homework uh, <laughs> in a way. I don't know if that helps, but you know, it, I think it definitely helps to have a successful conversation with uh, when entering this market. That's definitely makes very, sense, very, and very I, I'm point. happy. Yeah, I'm happy that I have it recorded, so I can remember when I go out there. <laughs> I would echo what you said. It's it's sometimes very surprising to see the lack of sophistication on you know, quantifying and understanding the markets that you're going after when so much work and so much effort is put into creating your product. I still hear people pitching, you know, uh, uh, international expansion, never asking themselves why, uh, because mm -hmm. it costs money to sell outside of your territory. You know, customer acquisition costs is much higher. 
and they are barely growing where they're working. And I'm not necessarily talking about Israel here, but they're already talking about international expansion and they base their whole business development strategy on a number they took out of uh, uh, Gartner or Forrester about any given market. Like there is no no real sophistication in, in, in really quantifying, understanding how much resources are needed. They, they, and that's surprising given the people involved and, and the degree of sophistication in everything else. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that could be, let's say, my two cents on, uh, <laughs> on this. That's great. Susie, I'm very, very happy about our conversation. It was very fascinating to me and interesting. I was really glad to have you and I really enjoyed it. I think uh, Simon, you did as well, right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> no, it was, it was really great. It was, uh, it was great having you. Uh, I think you have unique, unique experience, unique outlook on things. Uh, you're really at the intersection of a lot of exciting things. And I, I think I understand why you, you, you love your job and you love the ecosystem you're, you're thriving in. So best of luck. I think uh, we'll, we'll hopefully do this again in a few years, wherever we all are. Yes, but, uh, definitely. No, that, that was really, uh, it was fun and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I really hope it was, um, I would say, interesting and uh, added something, but it was real great. And so thank you for uh, reaching out and actually wanting me to, uh, to, to have a chat all together. Um, yeah, that, that, was, that was really great. Thank you so much, Susie. It was great. Thank you.